1: It's top of the hour. It's 1 o'clock on Wednesday. That means that Guy Adami and Dan Nathan do trading spaces on Twitter spaces. They're sponsored by CME Group. They're the sponsor of our podcast, On the Tape. Um, We do this every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. and Then we put it in the podcast feed. We've been putting it in our On the Tape podcast feed. but. As of Monday, January 3rd, it's going to have its own podcast feed. It's going to be Trading Spaces. So look at, for that in the podcast stores. Please follow Stop. it. Um, you can follow the at underscore Trading Spaces on Twitter. Um, and that is going to be something that is going to be a primary destination for Trading Spaces. We do these to just really talk markets while they're live. If we have opportunity, we take questions. But we really want to kind of just give a little bit of a, the some of the stuff that we're looking at. Right, Guy Dami? So here we are. 100.
0: And I'm going to tell you what I'm looking at, Biatch. All
1: right, let's do it. You're all fired up.
0: I am fired up because, you know, crude oil, Brent crude traded back above 80, I believe. That's something to look at. And, you know, the volatility, again, I know Dan Pitt gets upset at me when I mention this all the time, but 10-year yield a week and a half ago traded down to 133. They're back north of 153. I mean, just crazy moves in short periods of time. And that two-year, has been flirting with 80 basis points, which would make it a four-bagger since September. And we talked about it on Fast Money last night. We'll probably talk about it again. To me, the most important thing to look at going forward, and seasonality obviously is playing into what's going on in the broader market this week, but is going to be interest rates in the 2.10 spread, Dan.
1: Yeah, I, listen. I don't get mad at you about
0: it. I, I mean, do. listen. No, you, no, you get mad. No, at I, you, I think go. I think your
1: insights on on yields is really important. I'm just a dumb stock and options guy. I mean, I don't. You know. So for me to have, you know, to be in the this sort of uh, no. But now listen, you're now uh, you're insulting. No. Now, no you're- I'm not I, I, to to be very frank, I, I do agree that the volatility off a low base is definitely like it could be eye popping some days, right? And so you know your point has been very simply keep an eye on the twos that's telling you as far as the pace of quantitative easing or the tapering thereof and the expectations for rate hikes in twenty twenty two So I agree with you. Um, I just don't think, and I think I said this on, on the tape on, on Friday, which you were not on, guy. I don't know if the 10 year US Treasury yield or at least Fed funds will ever be above two and a half percent ever again. Okay. Like I'm just telling you that. Like it just seems like to me from everywhere I sit. And then you look at this kind of the flattening of the yield curve, which is really what you're focused on over the last, you know, couple months or so making new lows, you know, 52-week lows, I just think it really paints the picture of, you know, um, just a really lower growth environment with maybe like a little bit more punchy sort of pricing environment. You know what I mean? And what does that mean? It means kind of stagflation. So to me, I just don't know how we can have this pandemic – cut, you know, Q3 GDP in half, then cut Q4 GDP in half, cut Q1 GDP expectations for 2022, you know, really. And we just have this this framework where we think there's always going to be this second half surge in activity. Before the pandemic guy, and I'll end this little rant right here, the Fed was desperate to get inflation up to 2%. You know what I mean? So it's going back there. And then before the pandemic – I think every administration or anybody in the Fed or whatever, they were dying for growth to be above 3% GDP growth. And you know what? We had a couple ticks above that here and there during you know, the last administration that had to do with a whole host of you know, the tax cuts and all the other bullshit. But at the end oh, of the day, whoa, whoa. the 10-year average guy of GDP prior to the pandemic was 2.2%. So we're, that's where we're going as far as inflation maybe stays a little higher and GDP goes back there. So you tell me. What stock should be valued at in this network? I don't know. What do you know? Well,
0: that's the right. That's a great question. Like, what's the right multiple for stocks environment that I think we're going to find ourselves in early next year? And we've been trading, you know, a couple standard deviations away from historical norms in terms of you know the multiple for the S and P five hundred, which I think and and Ivan the Q probably knows this a lot better than I, but it's probably <laughs> around seventeen or so, I would imagine. And we've been you know, flirting on either side of 22 for quite some time. So I think it's going to take some work to get it back down to 17. But, you know, the multiple is just too high, I think, in this environment. And I think we're going to start to figure that out early next year. Now, again, I think this last couple of weeks, the move higher has been based a lot in large part on seasonality and a couple of things, other things going on. But I think you're going to have a problem early next year because I think the Fed has made it pretty clear You know, they're not going to deviate from what I think is the correct path. It's just the problem is it's the correct path way too late in the game. So we'll see. I mean, I think I know what happens to stocks, but I've thought that for a while, Dan.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, so I guess the real question, guy, in twenty twenty two is that if there's any sort of black swan event that would cause the Fed to change from their like kind of hawkish stance, which you just said is late. And I think we can all agree, at least on the quantitative easing. Like they kind of just overstayed their welcome. You know, you know, to my point about interest rates, I just don't think they're ever going meaningfully higher here. So they're gonna have to get continually creative about how they attack, you know, shocks to the system when they're trying to avoid like credit freezing up and all that sort of stuff. And um so to me me, you know, if there is any unforeseen event, if there was some sort of geopolitical event that caused quantity prices to rip back up or something, and the inflation really was going to be sticking around here in ways that are kind of unhealthy to consumers and businesses. I mean, that to me is 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 the thing. And you think about the Fed's balance sheet where it is, um, I, I just don't know. I mean, they, they're gonna to have to continue to get all weird. And we saw that with QE two, with QE three. Remember that the twist I and do. all that sort of stuff. Um, so you know, you've said this on many occasions. We are in the midst of, you know this crazy financial experiment that it's not just us. You know, Europe is involved in it. Um, Japan has been involved in it for a long time. The Chinese manage their um, economy in, in all different weird ways here. So I don't know. So, guys, listen, we're, we're going to have Tom Lee on, on, on the table no, this week. we Yeah, we are. And you and I focused on a report he had out yesterday about this variant and what variants basically in general, how the stock market bottom when hospitalizations and the worst of the cases have peaked. And it seems like based on some other countries that had this variant prior, um, you know, they've already kind of peaked. So he's expecting, you know, a peak in the next week or two or whatever. But he also expects, like you just said, a very volatile first half of 2022 in the stock market. Are there any pockets that you think right now are getting way overdone to the downside or some that you think you know really you're going to see irritation? And even if the broad market goes lower because some of the big generals pull back in, are there other pockets that might do really well?
0: Great. That's a. There's a lot in that question. So here you go. I think the, some of the Kathy Wood name been just bludgeoned. Where I think, you know, you still can't make a, a compelling case on valuation, but you can make a case that if you go back and look, a lot of those stocks sort of saw volume capitulation in early December. So I would look there. Number one. Number two. And I've said this on the show, and I've said it. I think on spaces. You know, airlines topped out in April of this year uh, when the news was at its best, when the vaccine news was at its best. And airlines basically went straight down ever since. Airlines have gotten off the mat over the last couple of weeks, today notwithstanding, when news seemingly is at its worst. So I've made this point, and and I'm going to stand by this. I think in the beginning of 2022, you could see a huge move to the upside in some of these travel-related names. Expedia, for example, which is the E in the Hope trade. So I think that works. And I do think, Although I was wrong about energy. I thought Crude would have triple digits uh, handle by the end of this year. That's clearly not going to happen. But I still think energy is going to be a story. And I think you're going to see a continued grind higher. So I I think the levered Energy names and some of the OIH names like Halliburton and Schlumberger – on valuation makes sense. So there you go.
1: You weren't so wrong on yeah. energy. I mean, you've had a you've had a good call on crude. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, it, although, you know, you've st- you've been steadfastly bullish in the pullbacks and you're right when it when yeah, it was Yeah, but you kinda... know
0: what? not to interrupt that last <laughs> yeah. pullback. That November pullback from the day after Thanksgiving, yeah, uh, that Friday till recently. I mean, that was a pretty epic move lower in crude oil now you can explain it um, obviously the the variant was part of it and then the release yeah. of the SPR was the other part of it and then other things as well maybe they got maybe got ahead of itself but it's raging back very quietly. And nobody's talking about it right now. So, Well, I think let me talk really about something. Brent, there, I,
1: I will tell you because you just mentioned oil services. I will tell you that I think given the move in crude you said Brent was just over 80. I, I think what oil service stocks are doing is horrible. I, I think that yeah, OIH I chart that. might be one of the worst looking charts in the whole market when you consider what some of the pressures are as it relates to the underlying and then so, so to me, I, I think that looks like a massive head and shoulders top. So that's why I remain really cautious on energy um, in general, I would say two things about your ARC names. There's two that are starting to really catch my eye. Okay, Zoom, which I think you and I have been correct on all year long, investors were going to have to deal with that high multiple they're going to have to deal with the fits and starts of kind of how work was going to be adjusting right as we kind of come out of this pandemic which doesn't seem like we're ever going to come out of um but this stock all of a sudden you know maybe estimates have come in line with the price and evaluation a little bit because next year um earnings and sales are expected to grow about 15 percent um you know, and let's assuming that that's correct. Okay. And this is a company that has 75% margin. They have five and a half billion dollars in cash. They have no debt. Okay. So it's got an enterprise value of a little less than 50 billion. Now that sounds like a huge number trades at 11 times sales. But I think if anything, zoom has proven that this is going to be with us. Like DocuSign is going to be with us. i have already signed two DocuSigns today, guy. And, And the truth is like, I may never, ever want to sign a physical document ever again. So the question you have is, is, like, are these standalone companies or do they have to be part of a broader platform? You know what I mean? And maybe you see Zoom, yeah. DocuSign, and a few of these companies. So Zoom looks really interesting to me. On a valuation basis, all of a sudden at 40 times expected earnings and 11 times sales, and I know by a lot of metrics that sounds crazy. The other one is Chegg, and I think we talked about this too. This one seems – reasonable and if there's any i mean maybe this is part of a larger platform again so i'm thinking about like some m but also i think these companies maybe the expectations have come in enough I, I, is that what you're kind of thinking of in some well of those I, names i'll guys? throw
0: another name at you and yeah. i i think look teledoc i think is i think has um i think has issues without question I, I don't think there's that many barriers of entry out there and a lot of people don't like the business model but i also if you look at it it recently traded down to what was a prior all-time high way back when. So this sort of 86 level, I think it's the 86 level, in Teladoc, I think is pretty interesting. But the one is my eye, and you're going to think I'm out of my mind, uh, Coinbase. And I think that's like her eighth largest holding in the ARK ETF. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But I think it's, in, it's definitely in the top 10. I think it represents about 4% or so of the holdings. Mark Mahaney has said the Coinbase is going to be the bank for the metaverse. Obviously, that's going to take some time, but if you look at the move in Coinbase, I mean, it has gotten absolutely bludgeoned. I think Coinbase is one that might catch up. Why do you, Why do you
1: think that I'm surprised? Just so you know, last week on my weekly um, that I do with Fidelity in the Money, check it out on my Twitter, people. I kind of, I kind of pitched. I didn't kind of. I pitched Coinbase using options to express that view over the next few months because here's the stock right now. It's back at about two fifty. That was its. Um, Listing prices, direct listing IPO price, which doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but I, I do think it's interesting that the stock has been pretty volatile this year. And you know, we get this question, and I talked with yesterday on OK Computer, our new podcast. Follow it, people in the podcast stores. Follow it on Twitter That's, by at way,
0: OK great po- great Computer Pod. Song by the way, it is then, not that
1: that 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 joke is just you know I, think- I want to. I want to OK Boomer you every time I hear it.
0: Seriously, what group did sing that song? Radiohead. It
1: was an album in 1997, but it was OK. The letter O, the letter K. Ours is OK. A Y computer. It's got a a different meaning here, but it's a play on words. But I would say that Coinbase, to me... You know, we talked about this yesterday with Packy McCormick and Jared Dicker. We're like, listen, there's still a lot of people in the stock market who are really interested in crypto and Web3, but they don't know how to play it, right? So to your point, Guy, about enthusiasm for these new tech themes or fi- fintech themes or whatever, Coinbase is, is a way to play it. Now, there's many other exchanges. There's decentralized exchanges. Um, there's others like, you know, Robinhood has exchanges. So I, I like Coin2, Guy. I'm with you. I think it's a great way to kind of some of the momentum you know- that you might have in uh, some of the underlyings. You should have uh, got.
0: Cryptos. You should get Tom York on that and the Greenwood brothers. That would oh my be, god! How killer that would be! Hey, you can know. I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Sure. And, one, and you I mean, and I absolutely. have been
1: really, really skeptical on this. By the way, that all, all year god, long that was
0: me dropping Radiohead knowledge. I saw what you did there. Yep.
1: Um, you and I have been skeptical on this all year long, ever since pre-IPO, and since its IPO in the summer, Robinhood. Yeah, I mean this stock made a high guy of eighty five briefly. It became a meme stock. Like, remember the week after it IPO'd? Uh-huh. and it now is trading at seventeen thirteen. It, it traded at made a, a an low. all
0: time low today. I think of sixteen sixty eight because I happen to look at it. If they, tell me I'm right because I think that yeah, that's exactly right. Look at me. Look at me. I was looking at it earlier. And- Listen, I'm wrong all the time, as you've come to learn. Yeah. But this is one we've been spot on about. And I will tell you, and I've said it, and I'll say haven't heard me say it. The only thing innovative about Robin Hood is the name and the hair on those two cats. After that, it's the same stuff as everybody else. Like I don't know why people got so excited about Robin Hood. They did not. There was no innovation whatsoever. I think they just sold people a bill of goods. I guess good for them, but. The stock has been grim death. And I, I, quite frankly, you know, I don't think it's found its bottom yet. All right.
1: Let's talk about fintech in general, Guy, because look at Square. I mean, Square was kind of rocking and rolling. Oh, we call it Block. Sorry, yeah. bro. We call it Block. Block. This stock, the day that Jack Dorsey announced that he was resigning for Twitter, was November 29th. Okay, Square closed that day at 213-ish. It's trading at 162 right now. It's down from a high, an all-time high that it made in August of 289. Again, 162. Yeah. So Twitter stock rallied the day that, that Jack resigned. Literally, it was up 10% in the pre-market. Remember? People are like, thank you. And then Square has since come in, what, 20-some percent or something like that? What do you do with some of these names here? Because, you know, again, I think the enthusiasm was starting to wane in some of these names, PayPal included. You know, PayPal had a couple disappointing quarters in Q2 and Q3, I think, and the stock got hit each time. So is it valuation? Is it like we get it? Now there's a lot of competition. They put forward a lot of demand or not demand, but like kind of accelerated the trends. And now the decelerating trends are the things that value, you know, investors are looking at and the valuations were just too extreme.
0: Look, here you go. I'll I'll break down Square. Massive double top from February um, when I think it was trading, what, 270-ish, as you mentioned, and again in August. And we talked about that. We said, you armchair technicians out there, you got a potential huge double top in Square. That came to fruition. Next question is, where do you buy the stock? And I'm going to attempt to tell you where, Dan. Mm -hmm. In August of 2020, the stock had a huge run, traded up to 156, and then stalled. So that prior all-time high... Is going to be support. So we're right there. I actually think you can take a shot at Square at these levels. And I think your downside maybe is 150, but I think it's getting pretty interesting. The other name, by the way, in the fintech world, and I think this is considered fintech, and I know you like this stock, and it had a huge run in the fall and then mm-hmm. gave all of it back, is SoFi, which I think is trading at 14 and a half bucks right now, which is remarkable uh, given what's going on. So you had that huge run, I think up to about what, Dan, 20. Or so 24
1: bucks in, in yeah. November and, yeah. you,
0: and it's given the entire thing back so i don't know i think i think that gets interesting i think that's interesting right i, I bought well. some
1: more on monday SoFi far and, and and listen this stock has like pretty decent support going back to you know earlier in the year um you know to 14 bucks or so i mean could it go down to 12 that's where it was in early january sure um you know recent um company recent recently public through a d-spac a chamath Palihapitiya spac um
0: you say that so well, by the way. I can't, I had, I have trouble saying that, but you know, I, I, I've gotten to know him over the years. I really like the guy. Um,
1: very smart guy. I've had the, the benefit of uh interviewing him on, on numerous occasions. Um so I just, you know, I, I got it I got it down. Um I like SoFi too. It really feels like um, you know, some of these names they have more puking to go on the downside. I will say just on the tech front guy, we I think you and I just made the case. Why we should buy Arc for 2022, and I mean that really seriously. No, I think because, I think you're like, right. Uh, it feels like that those names. The, the one thing that bugs me about Arc is we just talked Block, just you know, Square is the 13 largest holding. The one thing that bugs me is the framework that the way that they have to
0: sell when it's down and well, buy she, when she it's create, up. Listen, I'm not going to tell her to run her business, but she yeah. created the wrong vehicle. I mean, the ETF is the exact wrong vehicle yeah. for what she's trying to accomplish. I mean. You know, there are no gates there. People want out; they they hit a button and they're out. And she's for. It's funny. Somebody said to me, "If she had conviction, why is she selling?" I'm like, "Because she has no choice." Yeah. People understand what's going. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but I think you completely understand what I'm saying. It's not that she doesn't have conviction; she's selling because she doesn't have a choice, and yeah. that's what happens on these ETFs. So.
1: Well, I, I don't know that
0: I don't know how they structure it, but like for instance, at one
1: point Tesla was like twelve percent and that probably had to do with performance of, of the weight and now it's like eight and a quarter. Like I would buy that. I just don't want to buy I, I wouldn't want to buy that. Like I want exposure to Zoom and Teledoc and Coinbase and Unity and Spotify and Twilio um, and Shopify and but I don't want in block. I sure. I just don't, I know you're a yeah, huge yeah, but, but, I'm a big well, I'm not, but it. that that's the point. I'm if Tesla and Roku were three percent positions, I'd be happy. Like I'd be like, that's fine. You know what I mean? In some ways, so I just don't want to I don't want to own an ETF where the largest holding is a trillion dollar company that I think is probably worth half that. You know, you know what I mean? Let yeah. uh, so. letting
0: Sherry pick some of the names though. Like she's done the hard work for you. And I think in those names there might be some interesting ones. As I mentioned, I think you know, Coinbase is on that list. I think that's one. Um and look, maybe DocuSign given the, given the moves that it's had as well. So we'll see. But we have I, I somehow I got made into like what do they call it when you're like running something here? Like it means you're like
1: a co-host. It means you're still, running it.
0: Are we letting people talk? Or are, we, are we? I mean, it's the end no. of the year.
1: It's well. We just we don't we we got a lot of stuff to get through. Oh, guys so, so I mean, that's well, I know. It's great.
0: Asking, like, all right, let's let's talk
1: about the setup in some um in in banks um into the new year. Um, you know, it's interesting that the, the banks in general did not confirm, you know, the new highs in the S and P five hundred. Look at like a JP Morgan that was making an all time high. Um, in late October, traded as high as like almost 173. Here we are at 1585 half or so. So it's still down. I mean, like, what, 8.5% or so from that all-time high is a function of this uh, flattening yield curve. What, what do you think it is? Is it expectation that growth might not materialize the way that some think and therefore banks might not be the place to be? What's your take?
0: Well, as you know, typically the answer to questions like that are all of the above. But I think more so it's I think I'll throw one more in. I think valuation has gotten the way of JP Morgan just in terms of price of tangible book. I think people say, wait a second, you know, maybe we've gotten a, a little ahead of ourselves in terms of where that's trading and maybe there are other places to look. I think that's a big part of it. I'll tell you that, you know, Citibank trading sixty one dollars wherever it's trading right now, you know, about eighty percent or so or seventy five percent of tangible book It doesn't make any sense. Now, I get some of the European exposure they have. I totally get it. But we just traded down the levels we last saw in January – of this year, that $58 level. I mean, I think City's worth a look, but the one name that I've mentioned to you. Wait, wait, hold on, guy. On a one year basis, I
1: mean, how did you not Nowhere. mention an epic, epic double bottom, though? I mean, like, literally it, draw it the sticks. line. As Carter Braxton says, the lines draw themselves. That's on that what
0: level. I just, I just, said, I just freaking. Is that your
1: stop, though? Your stop at kind of $58 I... level? You do not want to be uh, long below that?
0: Yeah, right. And I think it's worth a look here. So for sure. But the one we mentioned all the time, and you, you were fast to correct me when I called it a bank incorrectly, but, you know, Blackstone has pulled down from about 150 to the, like, I think it traded into the teens recently. Now it's back above 125. You know, I think Blackstone, and you know people there, I mean, they're doing everything right. Yeah. So I think BX is a name that, you know, it's had some stumbles over the last, you know, couple months, but I think that's going to get back on its horse as well. But I think in terms of the answer to your question, You know, this flattening yield curve is not particularly bullish. Um, Slowdown in growth perhaps is a concern. And valuation for some of these names. They just got ahead of themselves.
1: I'd say, just real quickly on the Blackstone, I, I would say that that thing has room. It's going to be below 120 in the not-so-distant future. Maybe you see a double bottom near that October low, which was like 107, 108, or something like that. I, again, I, I just don't feel the need to chase anything. You know, like Look at the, this kind of artificial move we've had in the last week in the S&P 500. Those things tend to correct themselves in the new year a little bit. I think there's a lot of people holding out with some of these big names that are pushing the indices around with some big gains that might look to prune a little bit in the new year um and you know investors just have different mindsets
0: when it comes to new year they reallocate here's a group guy that hold on before down. you before you i know you want to talk about a group but you mentioned prunes no. and i will tell you oh, no. you know, when you get to a certain age yeah they're very they're very important prunes extraordinarily that metamucil all right.
1: Am- Amanda, will you make a note here that we're going to have to cut that out for the podcast store? Um, thanks, Boomer. A quick one here because you you brought this up last week. And I actually – until you brought it up, I didn't really – it wasn't even something on my radar. The XRT, the S&P yeah. 500 retail yeah. – ETF, And you were mentioning that for the better part of this year, after a quick ramp early in the year, it went sideways, very similar to the Russell 2000, the way small cap stocks had done. And it broke out almost to a T in November the way the Russell did. But then it failed and it came off really hard to the tune of like double digits i think it went from you know 104 down to about like below 85 and this was just last week or a week and a half ago what's your take here because i feel like there was heavy discounting i feel like that there was a rush to early holiday shopping i think there's going to be heavily discounting and maybe large inventories as maybe a lot of retailers did a lot of double ordering because they were worried about supply chain issues Is it as good as it gets for retail right now? And I know the consumer data is really good, that the retail data has looked really good, but is it backward looking? And is retail, which is outperforming today for some reason, is it going to have a tough Q1? Yeah,
0: that's a great, listen, and you mentioned the levels, and I said that it's critical that the XRT holds 85, and it did that on that Monday, December 20th. That was the day you saw the huge downdraft in the market. But we did a spaces that day, and I said, here's the thing you want to watch. The VIX at the time was 24 and a half 25 i said you know close below you know 23 and a half 24 i said that's gonna be a really good sign uh that happened and i said "The, the xrt has to support 85 it did and i said the iwm has to hold 210 it did and you've seen what's happened since in terms of the retailers absolutely so much has been pulled forward we talk about it all the time but there's still some winners out there i mean You look at names, again, maybe extended on valuation, but Costco is just killing it. And people will say the stock is expensive. It's been expensive for a long time. And I think Target, for whatever reason, has just gotten obliterated over the last couple months. But I think it might have found a home at these levels as well. And just in terms of valuation, I think Target's worth a look. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes perfect sense here. Um, You know, we have a few more minutes before we get out of here, Guy.
1: What is your take? You know, we spent a lot of time in Q1 talking about all these companies coming public via SPAC. And I think what happened this year with that is that I think the Q1 2021 volumes in SPAC issuance was greater than I think all of like the last 10 years combined or something like that. Okay. And so all of a sudden, you know, there was this big gripe that there were too few companies at M&A and companies going out of business and all this sort of stuff. I think in 2000, there were like 16,000 listed um, stocks in the US and, you know, coming into a couple years ago, maybe there was like before the IPO and the SPAC boom, maybe there was like half that well, now there's a whole heck of a lot more. And I think investors have had a really hard time keeping tabs on a lot of these companies that have come public through these vehicles that they don't really understand, where investors, institutional investors, are basically full up, because they've been investing in these companies as privates, they invest in the pipes, and then they come to the public markets, and then you hear this term bag holder all the time, right? Then, they, uh, then the public buys them, but the institutions have already taken their pound of flesh out of them. And so a lot of these things are trading well below where they were trading um, you know, on their D-SPAC and you know, on the $10 level with the warrants and all that sort of stuff what is your take on these i kind of feel like guy that a bloodletting early in q1 in some of these names there are going to be some very very unique opportunities where you're going to have doubles triples you know quadruple opportunities and not a, a you know not a too long a distance of time uh in 2022 i in some agree with that way.
0: it's interesting Th- think about the last time we had a meaningful conversation about spacs on fast money it's probably six months ago i would imagine it was over the summer and we really haven't talked about it since. So, you know, that flamed out. But I think to your point, I think they're going to be a huge amount of potential trades that set up early in the year. And I don't think, and you know this better than I do, but I don't think uh, the final chapter in terms of SPACs has been written. I think they're going to, I don't know what it's going to morph into, but I think, you know, 2022 could see some like SPAC 2.0 type of shit going, oh, pardon me, going nope, on. So I'm said. with you on that one for sure. Well, it,
1: you know, I just mentioned Chamath Palihapitiya and I know that he's well-followed because he basically has done, I think, almost 10 that he's listed in the last few years. The first big one was uh, Virgin Galactic. This is a very controversial sort of name. The stock's trading at 13. It's very near, like, some lows and, you know, you tell me, I don't know if space is going to be a thing. I don't know if it's investable right here, but this stock at one point this year was trading trading north of 60. Uh, and then it had this move all the way down to like 15 and then up to 50 became like a meme stock. And here it is at 13 bucks. OK, and then you're seeing another one of his names, Open Door. This is a company that, you know, I mean, pretty interesting uh, play on real estate. It was kind of the anti um, it was kind of the anti, uh, what's that company? Zillow, you know what I mean, sort of situation here. That thing is getting killed. Um, and there's another one. I mean, they're basically limping it at the lows. Clover, you just mentioned SoFi. The Clover
0: was a little different
1: oh, Clover was, there were some issues there, potential fraud. I don't great even know Great song, that was by right.
0: the way, by uh, the great Joan Jett, Crimson and Clover, which was a remake. <laughs> by the way, I know you <laughs> don't want to talk about this, but Ivan McKay likes a, a fricassee me whenever he gets a chance, and rightly so, by the way. But... He said something really nice <laughs> eight minutes ago. He said, "Guy is a I think that means correct. So he did. I don't know how he made that happen, but he did. Guy is a hundred in red with two lines underneath on the active ETF being the wrong wrapper for investors. But the but for the asset gather, it's great. Thank you, Ivan. The cube Back to you, Dan.
1: Yeah. Well, no. So so I, I think the SPAC thing is something that you and I will be following up. Um, on you know in, in coming trading spaces in the new year um also it'll be interesting to track you know like D- DraftKings was one that that's a, the stock that we've actually talked a lot about on fast money and just this whole kind of move uh with legalized sports betting and just the fits and starts with um you know the the pandemic and and uh and the gamification of markets and kind of the intersection of those things i think that's going to be continue to be um an interesting theme here all right guy we're going to get out of here but let, let's just make make a couple tomorrow you danny moses and i are taping our last on the tape of 2021 and it's going to be a really special episode because you and i are each going to give um our best ideas for 2022 so check that out guys follow us in the podcast store it's at on the tape pod follow at ok computer pod KAY uh in the podcast stores and on Twitter also we got great episodes coming out there on Thursday. We're also going to have a Market Call. The guy and I we have a really uh really great announcement to make about Market Call. Um it's going to be 3 days a week starting Monday Stop. January. Yep. 3 Stop. days a week. We're going to do it Monday, Tuesday and Thursday live it's sponsored by fact by cme by sofi on thursdays we have liz young on with us on mondays we're gonna have carter braxton worth on with us so check out all of that stuff you can follow that on twitter at
0: mkt call so we got a lot going on guys you and i had a lot of fun doing all this didn't we and i know you want to get out of here i'm going to give you a couple of my best plays if whatever you can short the nets to win the nba champ, you short the nets all day long short the net and if you can get a price on the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup this year jump now jump in now Those are two of my best bets, by the Um, way. All right,
1: there's a Jack Dorsey is on a Twitter Spaces that's competing with ours. He's getting a little more attention. I'm going to go over to that one um, after this. But thank you guys for joining us. Thanks our sponsor CME Group um, and sponsoring uh, on the tape pod. So follow us uh, on the tape at OK Computer. Follow us at underscore Trading Spaces. um, Diaz, our crack producer and head of content at Risk Source Media, puts out lots of great charts and data there. And also follow Trading Spaces in the podcast stores because once we get done doing this it goes in there thank you guys Domi happy new year my main man I'm going to see you uh, later this week on CNBC's Fast Money and thank Hundo. everyone for joining Hundo
0: us Hundo thanks bud alright bye bye